fellow travellers and welcome to podcast 42 in our series You Should Have Been There with me Simon Calder and me Mick Webb. And look, apologies for the noises off. I'm currently at the Sun and Sand restaurant in the ancient Greek town of Isthmia between the Peloponnese and the rest of Greece and I'll try and get the music turned down. Well Simon, I very much wish that I was there. But um, today we're going to be talking about strange brews, the weird, wonderful and sometimes disgusting drinks that are a very important part of the travelling experience. New places, new flavours and sometimes, I'm sorry to say, new types of headache. (laughs) Now, I don't know about you, but I think that describing the flavour of something, uh, like the smell of something, is actually quite a challenge for travel writers and podcasters alike, but uh, we will give it a go. First, though, a couple of apologies I should make arising from last week's podcast on quarantine. I inadvertently called the uh, uh, SNP MP Margaret Ferrier Liz Ferrier. Sorry about that, Margaret. And I also forgot to mention the fact that that was our first anniversary podcast last week, uh, the one on quarantine. So that's a whole year's worth of you should have been there. Um, (laughs) Anyway, strange brews. Um, What's the strangest drink you've uh, ever had? Or let's say the one that's left the deepest impression on you? Well, it left a deep impression on me. It left an even deeper impression on the poor snake that was involved. And we're not talking here, of course, about uh, the snake bite, the um, delightful drink of um, young Brits, which is, I think, lager and cider. We're talking about snake's blood. And this took place in a cafe celebrated for snake uh, products in uh, Hanoi, in Vietnam. And um, it is, I'm afraid, it's a, a, a tourist activity, very much in keeping with some of the other tourist activities in Vietnam, such as firing an AK-47 and crawling through the tunnels of Kuchi. Um, so the uh, snake is very sadly uh, killed um, and their blood is poured into a small glass topped up by some strange uh, near-lethal Vietnamese um, spirit of some kind and of course it's one of these things you're supposed to knock it back in uh, immediately and it's supposed to do marvellous things for your um, uh, vigour if we can say so uh, and of course because it's so heavily um, covered in this uh, this vile uh, liqueur you don't kind of uh, realise quite what it is what you, that you've done until quite a lot later on. Presumably it's a bright red uh, no, it's it's more more kind of um, uh, very very dark. So, um, and, and I guess since they are reptiles, and cold as well. But um, it was it it's, it was sort of slightly lost um, in the um, uh, immediate aftermath because it was a little bit drinking this whole thing uh, felt a little bit by, like being hit by a truck. But as you say, not quite as. Uh... Uh, not quite as bad a feeling as the snake must have had. Oh, so sorry. I totally forgot you. So sorry. Oh, that's all right. Now, um, I'd love a Greek coffee, please. Greek coffee, that, sorry, uh, Double, please. Double. Okay. Yes, thank sugar? you. A little bit of sugar, little thank bit you. Sugar. And uh, some water would be very nice. And is it possible to turn the music down just a little? Oh, yeah, I'll try. Okay. The coffee is on me. Oh, no. <laughs> no. No, it's on me. No. Well, that's, uh, that's my, my dear friend. Um, and... Uh, he uh, he's apologising for leaving me here 
Um, I've, I've found, oh, look, I think, I think uh, the music may also have been uh, dealt with. So uh, very, very nice of him. And that, so that's a free coffee. And uh, I suppose Greek coffee, when you first uh, encounter it, could count as a strange brew, couldn't it? It certainly could. It's, of course, a, it, it's the grounds that get people. And yes, you step off the ferry. Oh, perfect. Thank you. Um, he's just checking if um, he, if we're happy with the music, which of course has to be a balance between satisfying the uh, many many other pat- patrons here and uh, uh, everyone else. So yes, you step off the ferry in my case from Italy into Corfu, and you sit down and you order a a, a Greek coffee, and it's just extraordinary because you've never tasted anything like it. This very very dark, very intense taste. And then, of course, not realising what's at the bottom of it, you swig the whole thing and you get a mouthful of coffee ground and everybody laughs um, uproariously. Um, And I was in Corfu starting my journey here when I hopped on the boat to go to Igumenitsa. And unfortunately, as the crossing took place, an hour and a half, absolutely beautiful uh, cruising across the Adriatic, I was reminded how foreign countries simply cannot do tea. Now we're approaching the beautiful uh, harbour of Igumenitsa. Mainland Greece awaits and the prospects are so exciting. But in the foreground, I'm afraid they are very, very, very depressing. It's now 15 minutes since I was handed a... uh, a plastic cup containing lukewarm water made cooler by the addition of evaporated milk. I was also given, and left to get on with, a tea bag. Um, uh, here we are, hand-picked leaves in each cup, it says, um, with a picture which could be somewhere in Sri Lanka, but um, who knows, because the um, good people of Sri Lanka laboured pointlessly as far as I can see there is no significant tea of any description in my uh, that's kind of eased itself out into this odd liquid I'm just going to try it hang on oh that is truly disgusting just imagine somebody hands you a glass of tepid water plus some evaporated milk that ladies and gentlemen is not going to make your day and it certainly hasn't made my day Oh, perfect. Thank you. You're welcome. This is very, very nice. Ooh. It's Greek coffee, Nikos. It's, it's wonderful. Thank you very much. You're welcome. Mm. Here we are. Excuse me. I presume that is uh, at the other end of the spectrum from your, uh, your cup of tea. It is. It's a, a, a joy uh, to, to be sipping this. Um, and uh, remembering that actually most of the drinks around the world are pretty good. (laughs) Yes, although they are actually quite a shock when you experience them for the first time, I think. And uh, the phrase acquired taste, I think, can be applied to most kinds of alcohol, actually. Um, When I uh, went to Spain and hitchhiked around it when I was, uh, I think it was 17, um, I was amazed by the range of um, odd flavours. And the one that actually I grew to like best of all was not alcoholic at all. It was something called horchata, 
Uh, have you, have oh. you ever tried that? H-O-R-C-H-A-T-A. Yes. Um, and you're, I think it's something quite, quite sort of milky and sweet. Um, am I going in the right direction? Yeah, you are. Um, it, it's, it's certainly milky. Um, uh, it doesn't need to be sweet. It just depends how much sugar's been put in it. It's actually made from a from a nut called the or a tuba. Well, it's called a tiger nut, una chufa, uh, and uh, there are a lot of them around Valencia, which is where this drink has well, grown up, as it were, and uh, and has been exported, uh, particularly to Mexico, where there's another version of it, which is uh, sort of along the same lines but uh, uh i think is made with rice so it's uh, it's tastes very different this has got a most amazing um, it's a kind of vanillary flavor uh, i think uh, and uh, i just loved it it is so refreshing on a very hot day as it always seemed to be um, in valencia in uh, 1966 um so that's <laughs> one of my favorites um i mean there were just so many weird drinks in Spain. Uh, but I suppose the one that uh, probably uh, I found most intriguing is one that you get a flavor that you get all over the Mediterranean, uh, both both sides of it. And that's um, that aniseedy uh, uh, licoricey flavor of uh, something which in France is pastis. Ah, yes. Uh, and known here in Greece as ouzo. Um, and just popping back to Spain for a moment and the subject of hitchhiking, these, these things all come together in Granada, the most miraculous city in Spain, I would say, but that's for a different uh, podcast. And in the Hitchhiker's Guide to Europe in the 1970s, there was actually a challenge written by the author, Ken Welsh, which said, I dare you to drink four Anis Seco's in Granada and then cross four roads. Now, of course, this was a ludicrously um, ridiculous thing to do, which I simply had to do and I survived. <laughs> but it was a really, really uh, awful night after that, as you can imagine. And it, uh, yeah, it, it took, took the edge off the next few days, which was a shame and so, so irresponsible, both on the author's part and, of course, on mine. Well, we don't advise anyone to do that either at home or indeed in Granada, uh, I, I, I would uh, say. But um, uh, I, I, I just I found it a rite of passage drinking um, uh, the French versions. Um, I don't know, Rica or Perno mm. or something where you uh, actually just uh, added water to these drinks and they changed color to a sort of interesting milky sort of color which was which was sort of a bit like being in the school chemistry lab <laughs> also they lasted a very long time those drinks because um when you first poured the water in they were unbelievably strong but um uh, as the uh as the afternoon wore on, or indeed as the game of um, petanque, which um, ah. always seems to be ac accompanied by uh, by pastis, uh, uh, went on its merry way, then then you could sort of slowly put more and more water in, and you ended up with what seemed like a you know quite a reasonably flavoured soft drink after about three hours. So I really like that. However, I did have a, an unfortunate um, brush with uh, an. 
anise-based drink, and uh, which has been banned, well, was banned in France for about 100 years, from 1915 to 2011, which you might or might not have uh, encountered. Uh, and it's certainly a strange brew. It's called absinthe. Uh, absinthe. Uh, and... Um, it's one of those things you, you hear about, but you imagine it was some dark 18th, 19th century drink that probably included hallucinogens or something like that and was quite rightly banned. But it's been unbanned. Uh, yes, it, yeah, it, it has. I think it might it might have been unfairly blamed for various crimes, but it does have some chemical in it, which comes from wormwood and which in certain quantities is a hallucinogenic. Um and uh, anyway, it was banned in 1915 in France. Uh, and however, it wasn't banned in Spain. Uh, and therefore, uh, when I was hitchhiking with uh, with my partner, Steph, back from um, uh, seeing a friend in Portugal, this was in, I think it was in 1974. Uh-huh. Um, it was a very long and interesting hitchhike, but... Um, Far and away, the most interesting part of it was when we got a lift from the border between France and Spain from a really lovely couple of French people who were coming back from the uh, uh, the San Sebastian Jazz Festival. Oh. Uh, and they brought with them, um, completely illegally, uh, a number of bottles of absinthe. <laughs> and uh, unfortunately... Uh, they invited us to stay with them, not because it wasn't an extremely nice experience, but because on the second night we were there, we drank one of these bottles between us. Uh, and uh, I remember it as being a, a very gentle, really pleasing green in colour. And, and the flavour was was quite mild. I mean, I was expecting it to be something so vicious that it, uh, you know, made your eyes water and took your breath away. But it wasn't like that, which was probably unfortunate because (laughs) we drank uh, loads of this while playing cards. And then um, I don't really remember uh, any more about it until uh, the next day we got up. Our hosts were fast asleep. We had to go somewhere else um, quite fast. So we left them uh, and an empty greenish bottle lying in the middle of the floor and hitchhiked off um, uh, <laughs> northwards through France. And uh, as the day wore on and the sun got hotter, uh, both of us who felt incredibly clear-headed uh, <laughs> began to feel unbelievably ill. Uh, and um, eventually we stopped at a bar. Um, it was near that wonderful estuary the Gironde estuary that huge uh, thing that cuts in through uh, sort of south yes. western France uh, and uh, uh, I went to a bar because Steph was so ill that I thought I should try and get her something although I didn't know what it was I was going to get and uh, the barman um, came to the door of his little bar and looked at Steph who was a uh, sort of lying under under a tree <laughs> in, the, in the shade across the road and he said ah yes uh, she needs this and he oh. got um, a small bottle from what looked like a cartridge belt hanging beside the bar and it was called Underberg, Underberg. Oh, yes. I don't know if you've seen that thing. Yes. It's, it's, uh, I don't know if it still exists. Um, and uh, it claimed to be distilled from 43, 43 different herbs and tasted absolutely disgusting. But it seemed to do the trick and we were able to continue our journey. So well, that's two strange brews in one. 
Uh, exactly. And I'm not sure about the hair of the dog. And I must say that the generally the, the, the brightness of the colour of a drink should be a health warning to all of us. Um, and all this was happening, Mick, when you were in southwestern France in the Bordeaux region, home to some of the world's finest wines. And you were drinking absinthe smuggled in from <laughs> uh, from Spain and um, some unspeakable German liqueur <laughs> yes it's true but can i pick up something yeah, you said sure. um, it, yeah. you, you said you said the color of the drink um in fact is a very good guide to how horrible it's going to be yes and you, well i i i would um, suggest that maybe inca cola um could be high up on the on both lists i.e horrible color and disgusting taste I think both of us tried this in the Peruvian village of Huayabamba, which is kind of almost the last stop before the Inca Trail. Yes, we definitely did. Uh, it, it's, um, uh, well, it's a soft drink. It's quite fizzy. It's a really weird um, uh, sort of acid yellow colour, if you see what I mean. Uh, and uh, rather like, a, uh, rather like a, a, um, a specimen that you might present at a, at a hospital. Uh, and... The flavour is bubblegum. I, 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 that's what I remember very, very strongly. Uh, and, uh, and astonishingly, well, for me anyway, it's based apparently on a real plant called lemon verbena because, uh, because at the time the flavour seemed um, entirely uh, to have come from a, from a lab. Uh, well, exactly. And there are some very good laboratories doing all sorts of things in that part of the world. But if I can take you across to Central Asia and to Kyrgyzstan, um, here's a, a sort of soft drink that you are, um, of course, expected to take. This is kumis, which is fermented mare's milk. And this, I think, defines acquired taste. It's bitter. It's uh, almost enough to make you gag. It's also mildly alcoholic, although I think you would, you, your your, your uh, taste buds would not allow you to um, actually get drunk on this stuff. But you go into um, nomads' tents, and uh, yes, you are welcomed in, and you are offered this, and of course you have to accept it, and 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 down it, and of course then you are into the whole terrible business of with very very hospitable people where you drink it and you smile and they immediately think right well he needs some more and and it all carries on like that but, uh... <laughs> uh, but any case uh, as world travelers we have to recognize that one person's weird or strange is another person's normal and uh, uh, i i lost count of the number of times when um, i've been having a a chilled beer uh, with somebody somewhere in uh, southern Europe or Latin America. And the topic of British beer is raised and people ask with amazement, um, is it true that you drink your beer flat and warm? As though that is the equivalent of um, fermented <laughs> mare's milk. And I suppose um, it's a fair point. Yes, it is. But it seems to me that flat room temperature beer is losing popularity to uh, fizzier cooler stuff um, among the hipster contingent anyway which I always like to think that you probably <laughs> belong to yeah um, on the subject of concocted drinks 
I should warn you and anyone else who's listening about Adel Scott, not to be mistaken for Edward Thomas's wonderful poem, Adel Strop. Adel Scott is a mix of beer and Scotch whiskey, and it is sold in bottles in France when there are so many other fantastic drinks to be had, but apparently it still has a market. I would warn ah, you against that. Well, there are lots of health warnings and indeed um, uh, advice um, uh, from a sort of bitter ha-ha experience um, which we could give. And I, I think you've alluded to one of them when you said uh, you drank down your your um, fermented mare's milk, wasn't it? Uh, fermented no, the fermented mare's milk, yep. Quite right, very yeah. quickly, just to get the awful experience done and dusted as soon as possible. But this was taken as a sign of um, of having enjoyed it a great deal and therefore uh, your glass is immediately refilled uh, by your host. And I, I've had similar encounters uh, with uh, rakia, which... Uh, d- which is a spirit distilled from, I think, just about anything in um, anything that grows in uh, in Balkan countries, uh, Croatia, Serbia, it's uh, Montenegro, etc. And uh, people seem to make their own, which I'm sure is illegal, uh, but they are very proud of it and uh, and love to give you a glass. And then when you uh, when you say, "Oh, that was absolutely lovely," thinking, "My oh, God, that was just unbelievably horrible," uh, they then say, "Ah, oh, you like? Have another." <laughs> In my country, yes. nobody can only have one drink. You have to have two, and those sort of um, <laughs> uh, those those kind of those sort of um, uh, local rules are, are, are very worrying. And there, there's another one actually, which uh, which which again I've fallen foul of um, in the past. And uh, it's uh, you must try this. It's a local speciality, and uh, really, you must not. Is my uh, is my advice? Well, look, you need to take care. Um, don't go to Fiji, where the uh, national drink is kava, and this is made from a pulverized root. And you go to a Fijian village, you meet a group of um, almost invariably men sitting around um, with a large wooden bowl. You're dipping in half coconut shells. And then you swig it back. Now, when you are invited to sit down and sample this, you will discover that it tastes like three-week-old washing up water. And it also numbs your mouth in the manner of um, Novocaine at the <laughs> dentist. Uh, so pleased. I, I Luckily, I got out before anything else happened. But it, it is... Uh, uh, Occupational hazard for the, for the uh, indeed. Now, are there any drinks having uh, run through this list of ones to avoid um, uh, that you would actually like to try? I'm going to be geographical rather than gastronomical. I'm going to say I'd love to try some Everest beer in Nepal, and that's simply because I've never been to the country i desperately need to i've tried a couple of times but things such as earthquakes have um, stood in my way and i'd simply like to be in Kathmandu, um probably drinking your health nick what about you <laughs> how very nice well i i, I would uh, like to go to 
Mexico. And we haven't mentioned the amazing uh, Mexican cactus drinks, tequila, mezcal, etc., which if ever there was an acquired taste, uh, that is it. Uh, I think if I had to try and describe it, I would say that uh, mezcal has a most bizarre flavour of cardboard, um, but it's kind of quite attractive in its weird way. Uh, But there's a beer um, which apparently uh, rather fell out of favour. The local um, beer that is made from the agave cactus, which is that one with the the vicious bayonetti leaves, the sort of grey green colour which is in fact the source of uh, tequila and and mezcal but it's also used to make this drink called pulque um, which is the um, original indigenous uh, Mexican beer I'm sure it was drunk by the Aztecs but I couldn't absolutely claim that that's true Um, and uh, uh, I have never tasted this now it sounds kind of disgusting it's uh, uh, some adjectives which i found are musty acidic viscous slimy frothy not pleasant um results of it your mind remains clear but your legs just stop working um it's not it's not very uh alcoholic it's somewhere between three and eight um percent but obviously an eight percent beer is quite uh, uh is quite uh, strong and pulque doesn't travel very well um and it doesn't last very well either which is why you need to drink it while it's young uh and preferably in mexico city or in the states around uh mexico city where the agave cactus grows Ah. Anyway, this drink apparently has made a quite a comeback amongst the hipsters of Mexico City. And uh, there are all kinds of mm. varieties of it, a sort of natural one. And then one that's curado, uh, which I think means it's been given a, um, a sort of an additional flavor of some kind of fruit or something. But uh, <laughs> whether that makes it... Uh, uh, nicer or nastier i'm not quite sure anyway i have a kind of um weird death wish which is to um, go and uh, go and try some pulques in mexico city which i haven't been to since they cleaned up the uh, the atmosphere and where it is now apparently a, a place where you can sit out and drink uh, and uh, enjoy the uh, and, and enjoy the drink and the surroundings without uh, being uh, sort of rushed off for oxygen in your hotel because the the atmosphere was so awful in the uh in the sort of 80s well and also high altitude where we know um that uh, alcohol has so much more of an effect i mean i think the most useful takeaway i've got from this half hour mick is alcohol not a good idea i'm sure you're right but in moderation it is also one of life's pleasures as is travelling, I must say, and next week we will be talking about traveller or tourist. Ah, yes, there is a dichotomy. Um, which would you rather be thought of? Or indeed, which are you? I'm looking forward to finding out uh, which of those categories I fall into. And I suppose now, Simon, you're going to be going back to your coffee or will you be moving on to an ouzo, perhaps? Uh, certainly not, Mick. I'm sticking with the uh, yeah the last uh, few drops of this uh, lovely Greek coffee, and then I shall be seeing if I can hitch all the way down the side of the Peloponnese as far as Poros. Um, I am a traveller, I think, at least today. 
Well, have a good journey. And uh, until next week, from me, Mick Webb. And me, Simon Calder. Goodbye. Goodbye. Goodbye.